Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Isaac Longworth, and I think that today's saint is going to be very different from most of the other saints that I've looked at in this show. Because a lot of the saints that we've already looked at are saints who have lived a long time for the Lord. They've lived most of their life for the Lord after a moment of conversion. They've spent their life in prayer. They've offered up sacrifices for people and interceded on behalf of the church. Many of them spent years serving the Lord through evangelization or working with the poor. And many of the saints have been able to work miracles because of their great holiness and their life of faith. They've been able to be used by God for supernatural miracles amongst the people. But the saint that we're going to be looking at today, he didn't do any of those things. In fact, right up until the very last few hours of his life, right before his death, this saint actually lived a life of crime and sin. He did not live his life for the Lord. And yet, somehow he's a saint. Today he is a saint. How could this be? And who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Saint Dismas. Saint Dismas, you might not know him by name, but you probably have heard of him before, especially under the title of The Good Thief. Does that ring any bells? Maybe you've heard of The Good Thief before. It's kind of a strange title if you think about it, kind of an oxymoron, because normally thieves aren't good, and yet that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in this show, how this thief, Saint Dismas, became known as The Good Thief. Now, when I was in elementary school, I actually played The Good Thief in a drama that we did as a youth group for our parish. We did it once a year, and uh, it was the, the crucifixion of Jesus story. We would do it on Good Friday. And I played St. Dismas. I played the good thief. And that was really the peak of my acting career. I kind of peaked in elementary school, and it was all downhill from there. And now I'm a seminarian studying to become a priest. So my acting days are behind me. But St. Dismas is known as the good thief. He's quite well known. And he's one of the criminals who was crucified beside Jesus. He was lifted up on the cross beside Jesus. He's mentioned only a few places in the Bible, but since his life and death are such a powerful example in scripture of the mercy of God, there's a lot that is contained in just those few verses. Now, St. Dismas was actually requested for this show by a listener, a listener who had a specific devotion to him, messaged me and asked me if I could do St. Dismas. And I accepted the request, even though I knew that it would be tough to cover St. Dismas for a show like this. For one, it's hard to cover St. Dismas because we know very little about his life. Even his name, Dismas, is not known for sure to be his actual name, but it has been passed down by tradition from the time of the early church that this was his name. He only shows up in the Bible during the crucifixion of Jesus in just a few short verses that mention his story explicitly. But he is present in all four Gospels. And from these very few verses, we're able to figure out some of the details about what Dismas was like before he ended up being crucified beside Jesus on that first Good Friday. So first of all, it's important to know that the gospel writers use different words to describe him, and, and all of them give us clues as to what Dismas was like before he ended up crucified beside Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, we read that along with Jesus, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And so from that, we can learn that Dismas 
was some kind of criminal. We don't exactly know what his crime was yet, but we know that he was a criminal, that he was worthy of punishment. In fact, he was worthy of the death penalty, which was a very serious crime that he would have had to do because crucifixion was the worst punishment at the time that the Romans could give out. And we'll see how and why that is a little bit later in the show. But Matthew and Mark in their gospels are a little bit more clear about what Dismas had actually done, what his crime was, because they describe Dismas with the Greek word leistes. Leistes. So leistes in Greek, when you translate it into English, it can be translated either as robber or as thief. So that's where we get the title good thief from. Dismas was a leistes. He was a robber. Um, It's not, though, as if Dismas was just like a pickpocket or a petty thief, but leistes was actually used for someone who was like a violent brigand, like a highwayman, because the word leistes is used in other parts of the Bible, which gives us clues about how the people at the time would have understand this word. It referred to murderous bandits who camped along the road and attacked innocent travelers. So, for instance, when Jesus in the Gospel of Luke tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, a very famous Bible story about a man uh, who is on his way to Jericho, he's attacked and robbed on the side of the road, he's left for dead before being rescued by the Good Samaritan. Well, the people who rob him and leave him for dead on the side of the road are laystays, robbers, highwaymen. And Paul, St. Paul, when he's describing to the Corinthians in uh, his second letter to the Corinthians chapter 11, Paul describes all the difficult journeys that he had to make um, while he was evangelizing the ancient world. And he said that while he was traveling, he was in constant danger on the road from being attacked and robbed by leistes. The same Greek word is used. And so in the time of Jesus, uh, leistes, these robbers, these brigands would camp out along the side of the road to hurt innocent travelers, possibly kill them and steal whatever they could scavenge from the bodies. So Dismas was not just a thief. It wasn't like he had just stolen some small property and tried to make away with it in order to make a living. Dismas was a criminal who made his living by waiting along the sides of roads to attack and rob innocent travelers, a a really evil man, a criminal. And it was because of the seriousness of Dismas's crime that he was given the death penalty by the cruelest form of punishment that could possibly be given at that time in history, crucifixion. Now, crucifixion was a truly horrible way to die. The Romans sometimes didn't even call it crucifixion. They called it the extreme penalty because of just how torturous it was. The victim would normally be stripped of his clothing right before his crucifixion, and his arms would be stretched out on the wood of the crossbeam part of the cross, the horizontal beam. And six-inch iron spikes would be hammered into his hands in order to secure him to that cross. And then after that was done, they would hoist him up onto the, the vertical beam of the cross in order to make it into a cross and then nail his feet to the bottom part. And the dying man would be left there, nailed to the wood of the cross. He would be guarded until he died. And it could take many hours or even days for him to die. And people who were crucified died from a couple of different things. It depended on the situation. Some of them died from heart attack because their body had been put through so much stress and pain from the the act of crucifixion. Some of them literally bled to death 
or dehydrated from being left out in the sun with no food or water. But the most common cause of death for those who were crucified was actually asphyxiation. It was not being able to breathe. And the reason that is, is because of the way that the body hung on the cross. The person would have to push off the nails in his feet, which you can imagine how difficult and painful that would be. Push off those nails in his feet in order to lift his body up, in order to gasp for a breath. And then breathe that out, sink back down, and then have to do it all over again in order to catch another breath. And eventually, they would become so exhausted from this process that they wouldn't be able to push themselves up to catch another breath, and they would asphyxiate. So you can see why crucifixion was viewed as the most terrible form of death penalty that the Romans could sentence you with. It was a torturous, cruel death that left you in pain from the moment it began right until your last breath, which is why crucifixion was used by the Romans as a deterrent for crime. Because people walking by would look at people hanging on the cross and they would see the sign posted to the top of the cross, which was the crime that the person had committed. And they would be so afraid of this ever happening to them that they would never want to commit that crime. And so the Romans would often use this in areas that they had conquered in order to intimidate and terrify the population in order to make sure that they never rebelled against Rome. And men would be crucified in public places. They would be left along the side of the road to show conquered people like the Jews in the time of Jesus, the power of Rome that was to be feared above all else. So this was what crucifixion was. And this was the fate of dismiss the robber. He was arrested for his crimes at some point. He was captured and sentenced to death by crucifixion. Now, the Gospel of Luke says that he was led out with Jesus. So from this, we can assume that his execution probably looked a lot like what Jesus's looked like. Maybe he was beaten beforehand. He probably carried his cross out of the city just like Jesus did. And normally when they carried the cross, Dismas wouldn't have carried the entire cross, just like Jesus probably wouldn't have carried the entire cross like you most often see in pictures. But he would have carried the horizontal part, the cross beam where his hands would be nailed to, over his shoulders, probably tied up and stretched out already in preparation for the execution. And just like Jesus, Dismas was led out of the city under guard, and he was probably mocked by the crowds as he passed by. This was a common thing to do for criminals being led out of the city to be mocked and abused by the crowd, by the guards who probably beat him and spit on him as he was led out of the city. Maybe some of the earlier victims or their family members who had been hurt or attacked by Dismas on the road, maybe they were there to gloat over his punishment, to, to mock him, to celebrate the fact that this criminal was finally getting what he deserved. And maybe even Dismas's own family was in the crowd watching what was to become of him. And so you can imagine the, the shame that Dismas was experiencing, looking back over his life as a robber, wondering, what, what have I done with my life? Is this how it ends? I, I'd live a life hurting people until I'm tortured and crucified. And then that's it. That's what my life is. Maybe he was feeling a, a terror, a fear of what was coming when he left the city. And there was probably a lot of anger and resentment and violence still in his heart towards those who had captured him and who was inflicting this punishment upon him. And so there was no peace in his heart. 
He was full of shame and fear and rage as he was led out of the city of Jerusalem and led up the hill nicknamed Golgotha by the people of the time. The hill was called Golgotha because uh, it was a place for execution. And Golgotha, in the language of the time, meant place of the skull. So a very scary place, a place where you never wanted to be sent. He was taken up this hill and crucified and then hoisted up beside Jesus. Now, like Jesus, Dismas probably had a sign above his head that stated his criminal identity. So Jesus had his supposed crime being the king of the Jews. Dismas would have probably had thief on his cross so that every single person passing by that road would look on Dismas and know his shameful past and would be able to, to gloat over the fact that justice was finally being served. Now, the scene of Jesus's crucifixion where Dismas was, was busy and chaotic. If you've read the Bible, you know that Jesus was a high profile execution. Many different people came to see what had happened there that day. There was those who were mourning Jesus and weeping. There was those who were curious about what was happening. They didn't really know who Jesus was, but they wanted to see what was going down. There was those who were his enemies who had gathered to celebrate the fact that finally their enemy was dead. And many of those enemies of Jesus were mocking him. They were making fun of him, calling out, if you are the son of God, Jesus, then come down from this cross. Daring him to come down the cross, daring him to prove that he really was the son of God like he said he was. Others called out, you saved others. Why can't you save yourself? If you were the king of the Jews, let him come down from the cross and we will believe in you. And one of the other robbers on the cross beside Jesus also joined in this mockery of the crowd, also joined in cursing Jesus, making fun of him, daring him to come down from the cross. And it's possible that at the beginning of the crucifixion, Dismas also joined in this mockery. Some of the gospels say that both of the robbers joined in in this mockery of Jesus. But at a certain point, Dismas begins to have a change of heart. And we don't know exactly why this happened, but we can speculate that maybe he saw the selflessness of Jesus. Jesus, who is hanging there on the cross, has been beaten to a bloody pulp, a crown of thorns on his head. Every fiber of his being is in pain. And yet Jesus is thinking about others. Maybe Dismas heard Jesus say to his mother, woman, behold your son. And son, behold your mother to his beloved disciple. Maybe Dismas saw that Jesus, even when he was on the cross, was caring about his mother and making sure that she was able to have a home when he was gone. Maybe Dismas saw Jesus forgiving those who were killing him, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that, that forgiveness, that obvious mercy in Jesus struck a chord in Dismas's hardened heart. Maybe Dismas saw that despite the pain that Jesus was in, he wasn't like the other criminals who seemed to die without hope because there was a purpose in what Jesus was doing, that Jesus was intentionally suffering for us, that he was giving up his life in obedience to the Father. Maybe Dismas saw some of that purpose in Jesus's eyes, even as he hung there dying for us on the cross. But whatever the case was, Dismas eventually began to defend Jesus, 
from the mockery of his fellow robber who was crucified on the other side. And Dismas began to say to him, Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are justly suffering, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And this is a a really powerful thing that he says to the other robber. Because Dismas mentions the fear of God. He, He calls out that challenge, do you not fear God? Many times at the end of a person's life, when they're faced with the eternal reality of the afterlife that it's coming, it causes them to look back on their lives and maybe for the first time to think about what they're going to do when they stand before God. And I think that this is what's happening with Dismas. Even though he's lived a wicked life, now at the very end, as he knows that death is very close, he's feeling a fear of God as he looks back on his life. But there's also something that he says to the other robber that I think is significant. He says, we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. Dismas admits that he's guilty. He, he knows he's a robber. He knows that he's hurt people. He knows that he's stolen. And he knows that the punishment that he's suffering right now, as gruesome as it is, that he's suffering it justly. He knows, I deserve this death. I deserve this torture. And he probably knows that he deserves some kind of punishment in the life that is to come, some kind of torture as well. And so here he is, hanging on the cross, not only tormented by the physical pain that he's experiencing, but there's a much deeper pain in his soul because he knows that he's guilty. He knows he's a sinful man. He knows he deserves death in this life and hell in the next And he thinks he's in a hopeless situation. And maybe it's at this point, when this realization is sinking in, in this bitterness in his heart, that he locks eyes with Jesus. The man dying beside him, the innocent man who was suffering alongside sinners. And maybe in that look, he doesn't see Jesus judging him. He doesn't see Jesus despising him or ignoring him. No, Dismas looks at Jesus and sees a mercy in him that gives him a glimmer of hope. And Dismas wonders, well, what if this this doesn't have to be the end? And so in desperation, Dismas would have had to push himself off of the nails in his feet, ignoring the shooting pain up his legs in order to gasp one precious breath. And then he would have to use that breath to call out to Jesus. And Luke captures his beautiful words in chapter 23, verse 42. Dismas says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And there's a beauty in this prayer that Dismas says, because there's no bargaining. Right? He can't appeal to any past good behavior in his life to justify himself, to prove to Jesus that he's worthy of saving. And he's also on the cross. He only has a few hours left to live. And so there's no promising Jesus that he's going to change his life, that he's going to do better, that he's going to turn his life around. There's not much life left for him to live. The call of dismiss to Jesus for him to remember him is one begging for pure mercy. Dismas knows it's undeserved. And he also knows that he's taking a risk. He's publicly in front of all these people asking Jesus for mercy. 
when he knows he doesn't deserve it. And maybe those beneath the cross laughed, laughed out loud at the idea that this robber is asking for mercy right at the end of his life. Like, who does Dismas think he is? How could he think that he could go to heaven? It's much too late for him. He's had his chance. I'm sure there was people who were watching this encounter who were thinking that in their hearts and maybe even saying it out loud. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus, too, uses a precious breath that he bought at the price of stabbing pain in his feet, drags himself up to gasp out the most beautiful words that Dismas could ever hear. Because Jesus says to him, truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. And in that moment, with Jesus' words, Dismas was a changed man. No longer was he just a condemned robber who was living out his borrowed time. No, now Dismas was a man who had been promised by the Son of God himself that heaven was now open to him, that he would be a saint. Can you imagine the hope that would have flooded into his heart at that moment? You see, Jesus wants to show mercy. Jesus has a heart that looks for the smallest opening. And when he sees an opening in a human heart, he extends his love as a gift. And Dismas was just desperate enough to risk everything in those last few hours to call out to Jesus. And I think it's beautiful that Dismas was a man who hadn't seen Jesus' miracles. He hadn't seen the resurrections. He hadn't seen the healings. He hadn't seen Jesus casting out demons. The first time he saw Jesus was when Jesus was at his weakest, in his most shameful moment, hanging there on the cross, dying. And yet, he was still able to look at that man and have faith that he was different from any other, that he was the only truly innocent one. And so despite his physical pain, now there was hope in Dismas's heart that had never been there before. Because he knew in the depth of his being that his suffering would soon come to an end and he would be with God. Now, Dismas had the great privilege of watching as Jesus breathed his last right in front of him. He saw his Savior die before his very eyes. And because it was the day before the Holy Sabbath for Jews, it was a, a very holy day for them, the Jewish leaders asked that the Roman guards quicken the deaths of the men who were still on the cross so that their bodies could be removed before the Sabbath. And the brutal custom for how they would get this done was that the guards took clubs and shattered the legs of both Dismas and the other robber so that they could no longer use their legs to push off of the nails in their feet in order to catch a breath. And so Dismas eventually suffocated. And as he gasped out his last breath, his entire body in agonizing pain, he closed his eyes for that final time, but he knew that this wasn't the end. And when the soul of Dismas left his body, Jesus was waiting for him. The man who was on the middle cross, who Dismas had talked with only a few hours earlier, had heard the prayer of Dismas, and it had been answered. Jesus had come into his kingdom, and he had remembered him. And St. Dismas is such an amazing saint because he's proof that no one is too far gone to become a saint. Literally no one. Because he was a robber, condemned to die, no hope, a lifetime of sin piled up on death penalty. 
And maybe there's someone listening right now who identifies with Dismas in this. You've looked back on your life and you've realized that you've hurt people, either physically or emotionally, that you have sinned. And you're suffering guilt or even natural consequences from these past sins. And like Dismas, maybe you're listening, thinking to yourself, I too am suffering the just punishments that I deserve because of my sin. And maybe you feel hopeless. That like Dismas, you've missed the boat. That it's much too late for you to change now. That there's no thing that could save you. And there's a fear of God. A fear of hell. A fear of judgment. That if you tried to pray that God would laugh in your face. Thinking, how dare this sinner speak to me? Maybe there's some of you that are feeling some of what Dismas was feeling on the cross. And yet I encourage you. Cry out to Jesus. Just like Dismas did. Because I assure you. You are not beyond hope. It's not too late for you. The mercy of God is waiting for you. Jesus died on that cross, not just for Dismas, but he died for you. He loves you. He wants you to be with him forever in heaven. And there is no sin that you have done that is too terrible that he can't forgive. Forgiveness from Jesus is not something that you can earn. You can't buy it. It's not something you can pay for. It's not something you can bargain with God by promising to do better and trying to scrape your way into good relationship with him. Forgiveness is a free gift. But praise God, it's a gift that he wants to give. So just ask. Like Dismas, just call out to Jesus and say, remember me. Have mercy on me when you come into your kingdom. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to ask Jesus for that mercy. Maybe you've been away from him for a long time. Maybe you've been walking with him for your whole life, but all of us can once again turn to Jesus and ask him for mercy, this undeserved free gift of his forgiveness that he wants to give. So if you want to pray along with me, Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I have not always done what I was supposed to do, that I have hurt people, that I have broken relationships with people, either through the the things that I've done or the things that I have ignored doing that I should have. And Lord, I know that I am guilty. But I know also that Jesus, you died for me. And I believe that what you did for me on the cross, that it actually worked. That the blood that you shed for me on the cross actually is able to wash me clean of all of my sin that I can have a new start, that I could have a new hope, that I can be reconciled with God. And Lord Jesus, I ask for that gift now. I believe that it's true and I want your mercy. I want your forgiveness. I promise to leave all of my sin behind and to live for you. From this moment on, I promise to live for you, to seek to be the saint that you have called me to be. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom.